those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Corey. I am actually a high school teacher, but please don't hold that against me. Um, one of the things I have learned about bringing God's word is try not to be a teacher like you are at school. Um, you know, as a teacher at school, you kind of prepare your content and you get that already. I've found with leading in the Holy Spirit and trying to teach what God wants to teach, you've got to let go a bit of that and let God do the teaching. So hopefully that is your experience in mine this morning. Um, about a month ago, the Lord started to speak to me about a message to bring. And it's been quite interesting because uh, we've had Dave speak recently out of Ecclesiastes 3 on time and using the wisdom, I guess, as one of the elders. And he shared that. And to me, it was like bang on with what the Father was saying to us as a church. Um, even this morning and, and, and listening to the worship, I just want to encourage Johnny Woodrow. He was on it this morning calling people forward to share. And thank you, Hannah, for taking that risky step and John for taking the risky step of calling for it because that word was bang on with what I think the Father is trying to say to us today and has been for a season here at Vineyard Pine Rivers. Kirk has preached a little bit about a season coming upon us and being prepared to take that risk and it's definitely what the Father's got on his heart for us. So hopefully as I unpack all of that this morning... Um, Whew, you experience that yourself as well and um, get on the same page with where he's at. Hopefully I can get that right. Um, of recent, I've been given a new role in my job and um, I've had to become a, a, an agricultural head of department. Now, I grew up on a farm, that's pretty cool, but I know nothing about teaching ag. So this last week I had to go to a conference to figure it out a little bit. And it really struck me as I go to all of these places and I listened to madly passionate people who are giving their lives to agriculture and the education of agriculture um, about how many diverse ways people can be passionate. And um, if you kind of a friend of mine on Facebook, I actually asked that question this week. What's Corey passionate about? Now, God asked me to ask my Facebook friends that question. Because previous to that, that afternoon on my bus ride back from this conference, I was asking the Lord, what is your passion for your people? And he asked me to ask people to give me feedback on that. Now, I got a real diverse range of things back, and it was really, really cool. Some things I'm like, yeah, I agree with that. I like that. And other things I'm like, oh, dear, I'm sad that that's what people think of my passion. All right, I love motorbike riding, but it's not my passion in life. It's not the be-all and end-all of my life. It's cool, fun to do. But it's not it. I love that people talked about my family being one of my passions. That's a good thing to be passionate about. Some people mentioned God. And it was a real good time for me to have a think about what the Holy Spirit was asking me about himself. You see, I could stand here and now that I've been passionate up by people, tell you lots about farming Lots about native bees, native stingless bees and how to set up a hive and have them in your backyard and create honey. I can tell you lots about that from other people's passion and I could easily get passionate about it. Church, that's everybody in this room. Church, what are you actually really madly deeply passionate about at your core, deep down in here? What is it that drives you? 
because we can choose lots of different things. Now, I'm going to kickstart um, this a little bit. You see, I guess I don't like to admit this, but I'm one of the elders here. Now, the reason why I don't like to admit that is because, you know, I don't feel old enough to be established in a position to be given a title of old. But when I need to cut that off. Now, some of you are looking at me going, you've got a grey beard. All right, you're old, Corey. Well, yeah, okay, fair enough. Compared to you, I might be. Or genetically, yeah, I might be. Um, it's not about age. It's about prayerfully thinking about engaging with God for his church and it's also about having a sense of wisdom over doing life with God for a while and that we could be in a place where we can just help our pastors and help our church stay on where, we, where Jesus wants to go. And so I'm often going, well, Jesus, Holy Spirit, where in the Bible do I find the elders? And I'm going to start in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. So those of you playing along or those of you maybe playing your phone games right now, pause the phone game. Could I ask you to stop trying to jump over buildings or um, get your cards right or whatever, open up your notes app. And if at the worst, write down the scripture verses I give you today and go back and actually read them. If you want to add a bit to that, maybe you could open up your Bible app and read along with me. But please stop playing the game and listen in. Jesus wants to speak to your heart this morning. So in Ecclesiastes 1, and it's a bit long, so listen in. And I'm going to set a little bit of a, an interesting tone. All right. These are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. Now I'm going to stop. This is King Solomon. Known as the wisest man, the wisest king. And it's not just in the Bible that he's known as that. Lots of secular scholars talk about Solomon and how many people traveled to get the wisdom that Solomon got from God. This is, he wraps up his life and his wisdom in this book. It's quite an interesting read if you want to go all the way through it. You ready? Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. How good is that for a kickoff? What do people get for all of their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries around to rise again. The wind blows self then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Maybe I should sound a bit more like how Solomon sounds. I'm sounding a bit too chirpy. Maybe I should weep as I read this. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. It's a bit of an Eeyore kind of Reading, isn't it? No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. Hmm, sounds a bit like Facebook and Instagram. History merely repeats itself. It has been all done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new, but actually, it's just old. Nothing is ever truly new. Don't we remember what happened in the past? And in future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. Wow. I, the teacher, we're up to 12, by the way, Ezekiel 1.12. I, the teacher, was king of Israel, and I lived in Jerusalem. I devoted myself for searching for the understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. I soon discovered that God had dealt, 
has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. I observed everything going on under the sun, and really, it is all meaningless, like chasing the wind. Ouch. What is wrong cannot be made right. What is missing cannot be recovered. I said to myself, look, I am wiser than any of the kings who have ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. So I set out to learn everything from the wisdom to madness and folly, but I learned firsthand that pursuing all of this is like chasing the wind. The greater my wisdom, listen to this, the greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. Oh my goodness, here is like the wisest, possibly, you know, one of the greatest kings of Israel. He wrote some amazing stuff. This is where he's at towards the end of his life and he's pouring this out going, it's all completely pointless. Um, you know, I, I often look at Facebook and I, I want to go back to that because I wrote that post in Facebook. And um, Sarah Wiseman posted something really great this morning, or it might have been last night, around that 99% of what's in our life is not even posted on Facebook. You get such a snippet of what's going on in people's lives. And yet, we measure ourselves against those things. You might see Kirk standing up here talking about his relationship with God, and you think and measure yourself against that stick or, or you think is up here but if you talk to Kirk honestly he's just wrestling with it like the rest of us he is wrestling with it like the rest of us and so too am I let me tell you I struggle with things day to day the 1% stuff we measure ourselves against and here is Solomon kind of wiping it all out in our 21st century living the living we do right now this is written you know over 2,000 years ago, probably about three. How much does that line up with our busyness of the 21st century right now? We run around doing a lot of stuff. But I want to ask you, I want to go back to that question that I asked you before. Church, what is it that you are madly, deeply passionate about and how much of your day-to-day -day living does that correlate and line up with? How hungry are you for that? How hungry are you for that? To see that happen and make that happen. You see, in our 21st century lives, and I believe it's a pretty good work of the devil to get us pretty damn busy, digital technology, both, both parents working, everything's just on the fly. It's crazy busy. We live in a broken world, folks, just like Solomon did. And I suspect there's a lot of people, and Kirk touched on this, We're anxious, we're worried, we're nervous. We know we ain't got it right. We know we're pouring things in the wrong place. We're having a perspective a lot like King Solomon. We are. This is a great book, people. You might be feeling, oh, this is a little bit low down and we're sit sitting at the bottom of the barrel right here, but this is a good book because I think it reflects a lot of how we walk around in our lives right now. Just waiting for the rapture to happen so we can be with Jesus. Hallelujah. No? Good. 
You know, Jesus added to this story, it's not all hope and loss. And I want to read to you what he says at the end of Ecclesiastes. Because he does wrap up Ecclesiastes really well, and he says it in actually two verses. So those of you following along with your little apps and your notepads, thanks, Taj, it's good, you're going to write this one down. Ecclesiastes 12, all right, 13 and 14. You got that? Good lad. All right, Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. I'm going to read it to you. Now, I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, by the way, just so that you know. Um, there's a lot of different ones. I like this one. It's kind of like the Holy Spirit version of the NIV. That's how I'd, I'd, I'd kind of phrase it a little bit. All right. <clears throat> They're all just a bit different. There's bits I don't like in here either. All right. So Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. This is what he says. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God, obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether it be good or bad. So what does he say? I'll kind of say it a bit like Kirk says it. Keep your eye on Jesus, stay close, keep up. It's pretty simple. It's not, it's not meant to be hard. And I think Solomon, in spending 12 whole chapters to finish with two little verses, sums up what we do in our life so often. We spend so much of our life proportionately chasing after things that don't matter too much. Now, I am not saying that as a head of department at my school that I'm not supposed to be madly passionate about supporting my teachers to be great ag teachers. I'm not saying not to do that. In fact, there's a lot of benefit in me doing that really well because it creates opportunities for me to talk about my true passion. That's Jesus. Lots of opportunities. Let's have a look at what Jesus then says to us, hey? As we move into the next little step of that, you see, Jesus then talks a little bit about, um, I'm going to head across to Matthew 11, by the way. You got that, Taj? Matthew 11, 28, 29. You got that one down? Excellent. All right. I'm picking on Taj because he's my son, by the way, just in case those of you who don't know, he's my son, so it's, it's an easy target. Matthew 12, yep, 28 and 29. Oh, Matthew, Matthew 11, th thank you. Matthew 11, you there? All right, Matthew 11, 28, 29. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are listening. All right, here we go. So then, remember in, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon talked about toiling under the sun. I think we know what that feels like, toiling under the sun. All right, hard work, yeah? So Jesus says this in 28. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. I don't know about you guys, but the stuff that goes on in this world that's not for Jesus just tires me out. It tires me out. I spend a lot of time running around and going, oh, Jesus, whoops, I should have asked you if I did that first because I'm tired now. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. How good does that sound? For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Whew. There's a different focus from Solomon's, isn't it? 
come to Jesus with everything we want to do and lay it down in front of him. I don't know about you guys, but when I was a young fella growing up in the church, one of the things that we got taught to do was every morning get up and talk to Jesus about your day. It was just like the fundamental thing that you would do as a follower of Jesus. Get up and talk to Jesus about your day. And I've got to say, it's not meant to be religious. It's meant to be relational. Folks, relational. Jesus, have a chat to him in the morning. Kickstart your day. Check with him what you had planned, because we can make lots of plans in our heads, but how much of it is of Jesus? You know, wisdom is knowing, it's knowledge of what is true and right. All right, so I'm going to dig into a little bit more scripture. So John, those of you playing along on your digital devices, Jacob Stevens, John 14, 12, write that one down, buddy. All right, this is what Jesus also says. He says, I tell you the truth. This is in uh, John 14, 12. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. You get that, folk? I want you to really hear that. Think about everything Jesus did in the scriptures. Everything. Because there was some pretty crazy cool things that Jesus did in the scriptures. I want you to get this. Jesus says to you, Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Whoa. That's like a a truth bomb if you've ever heard one before. And even greater works. Let that sink into your minds and souls right now. Because I am going to be with the Father. So Jesus, I, I remember as a young Christian growing up and I used to think to myself as I learned all about Jesus, because I thought Jesus was cool, didn't really know anything about the Holy Spirit, and Father God was just scary. And I used to think to myself, man, I'm jealous. I wish I was a disciple. If Jesus had come and I'd been doing some cabinet making in my workshop, I would have followed him at a heartbeat. Would have dropped the lot and ran after him, and it would have been the coolest time ever. Read that again. Because Jesus is saying it's not as cool as What's coming after him? Let's dig that a little bit deeper. So I'm going to go to um, John 14, 16. Are you ready for this? John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father. Now, if you've ever got, had, or have Father issues, please let this one sink into you deeply. Jesus is going to ask the Father and he will give you an advocate. Now, if you don't know what advocate means, I wrote that down somewhere on my small amount of notes. It's like someone who's going to fight for you. All right? So the Father is going to send an advocate that's going to fight for you. Who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. That is the Father's love for you. And then we're going to jump down a little bit further into 17. And I'm going to read the bookends of 17. You ready? So um, those of you writing it down, John 14, 17, front and end, all right? He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Mm, Sounds a bit like wisdom, right? All truth, Holy Spirit, you have that in you, folks, in you and around you at all times. If you are a Christian and you're following Jesus, 
the back end of that. But you know him because he lives within you now and later or lives with you now and will later be in you. What that means is Jesus was walking around with them, so he didn't need to be in them. But once Jesus left, we get the Holy Spirit. The moment you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you, folks. Don't listen to any other lie. Holy Spirit is in you right now, wherever you are in your walk with Jesus. All right. I um, was talking to my wife a little bit yesterday about today's message and she shared something with me that I was like, ooh, that is really good. My wife's a bit like that. If you ever get to talk to her, she has some really good wisdom, pearls of wisdom, that, that lovely young lady wife of mine. And um, I've often talked about, especially in my earlier years of Christianity, following Jesus, having a, every person has a God-shaped hole in their heart. That means everybody, doesn't matter where you're from, who you are, how rotten you are, or how much you're struggling with life, you have a God-shaped hole in your heart. And I really, truly believe that. But she sort of spun that on its head with me. What about we think about God the Father, and he actually has a you-shaped heart, hole in his heart. A you-shaped hole in his heart. Now, that's a holy God, hey? Full of holes, right? For you and me. Holy God. If you want to get the depth of how much God loves you, God the Father, and how passionate God is for you and me, He's passionate about you and me. It's that simple, folks. He is madly, deeply in love with us. And he wants relationship with us. And he wants to see us walking more in the stuff of him than in the stuff and the junk and the baggage of us. I don't know why we fight it, actually. I fight it all the time, but I don't know why we do. You know, Jesus died for our sins. I think that's pretty passionate love for you and me. That's God the Father. Yes, Jesus died, but I'm pretty sure God the Father had a major part to play in that. And if you read your scripture, that will point out rather clearly. Okay, I'm going to stay on track a little. Um, John 16, 7. If you go to John 16, 7. Right. So, Jesus... When he died for us, because our Father loves us a lot. I hope we can get that. Our Father loves us a lot. And he sends the Holy Spirit to us. And this is what he says in John 16, 7. This is what he says about it. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. To me, that's a real pivotal moment for us. And as the church, we can often stop at the Jesus story. It's comfortable and it's safe. Some of us might reach in a little bit more and get to understand the Father's love for us. That's still pretty comfortable and safe. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, that's when things get a little bit more dangerous, folks. 
Kirk spoke last week about risk. You know, Jeremiah, kind of love the book of Jeremiah. I don't know why. It's a pretty, it's a pretty hard read, to be honest. You know, Jeremiah spent 41 years across three different kings calling out for Israel, for the Jews, to turn their ways back to God. 41 years. And he kind of did it kicking and screaming. Maybe that's the bit that I relate to. He didn't really want to do it. It was hard work. He had to do some crazy stuff and nobody liked Jeremiah for what he bought. I'm thankful that I'm not Jeremiah and that I'm here with you and you're not resisting. But I want to say this. Don't be like the recipient of Jeremiah's messages and think she'll be right, mate. I want to say that really clearly. You know, John earlier during worship called for people to share a word. Now, I bet you any money there was more than one person that had something to share. I'd be really surprised if there was only one. And it might have just been a quiet little voice, it might have just been a tiny little thing, but you did not take the risk and step out on the limb. That's the sort of stuff we're talking about, folks. Now, I'm not saying this to make us feel guilty. Far from it. But I want us, I believe God wants us, let me get this straight. God wants us as a church here, Vineyard Pine Rivers, to not do the three-song sandwich. There's other places that do that. Go, you know, David said it the other week, go there. If the Holy Spirit's calling us to share something, come and share it. If the Holy Spirit's telling you to do something, push in and do it. Because if we look at what Solomon talks about, that's the only thing worth of value that we'll do. Think about your week just gone. And I, I think about my week just gone and going, uh-oh. There's a lot of it that could be just ploughed back into the ground as useless. You know, passion, the word passion means an intense feelings for something or about something. So I want to reorientate back to that original question that I asked you as the church this morning. What are you passionate about, church? It's a real simple message this morning. It's not even any more complicated than that. What are you passionate about? When I asked, when the, God shared with me, and I believe this wholeheartedly to be true as other people have spoken here in the last couple of weeks, he's really passionate about us getting messy with kingdom works, people. That's not sitting down safely. That's not coming to church because we, well, we just do. It's coming here and being like, I can't wait to get out the front to pray for somebody. I can't wait to get out the front and have a Jesus encounter and have my life turned upside down for you. 
Are we passionate for leaning into the things of God or do we just want to go through life and, oh, no, Jesus will come and that'll be sweet. We're saved, you beauty. I know which one I want. Even though I get bogged down with the realities of what, you know, even what Kirk was sharing about getting all anxious about my own children. Yeah, I go there. And I can waste so much time doing that. And I know that if I'm passionate about the God stuff, my kids are going to see that and they're going to want in. Because they're going to see it as real. You know, I've prayed for people and they've gotten healed. And yet I'll still walk past someone and I'll hear the Holy Spirit say to me, you're going to pray for him, Corey? And I'll go, oh, you know, I'm too busy. I'm too embarrassed. Come on, people. I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying this. It sounds a bit weird. Wake up, Jeff, except we're going to replace Jeff with church. Wake up, church. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about us. You know, I can, I can sit at home and listen to a podcast and get a great sermon and be slain in the spirit and speak in tongues and have a crazy time at home in my lounge room. That is not church, people. That's just a one-on-one relationship with our amazing God. Church happens, and it can happen in a can happen in a cafe. It can happen on a motorbike ride. It can happen walking in the park with a group of friends. But the key is, you're with other people. When we get together and we worship God, there is power in that. That's why after Jesus rose, they met daily. They were passionate. They met daily. Why? Not because they wanted to tell everybody about the amazing stuff. They wanted God to meet with them. They were hungry for him. They were passionate for God's presence with them. There's been a mind shift for me recently in regards to, I just cannot wait for ministry time. You can't come quick enough because I know that that's where God's going to do stuff with us as a church body. The messiness that happens out here, my goodness, the freedom, the power the power of God. That doesn't come when you do that on your own. It's like this thing that happens with the Holy Spirit. It's like it's almost like a whirlwind effect. It kind of it's contagious and it builds amongst us. It's like a an energy the Holy Spirit is that bounces between us. That when we do it in fellowship and connection together, He turns up even more powerfully. Now, if you're afraid of that, I want to tell a little story. <laughs> Because I used to be afraid of it. I've got two stories. Then I'm going to bring this thing home. Because I know it's hot. And I want to do this bit out the front. Um, back in my previous church, Holy Spirit stuff was pretty, whew, you know, we don't go there. Scary. Couldn't control it, right? So like a lot of pastors, we just sort of keep that over there. We talk about it, but we don't deal in it. And um, I was doing a fair bit of ministry, and I was just getting desperate, to be honest. I was failing at it. Things were ordinary. We'd have like 30 young people give their lives to Jesus on any, on any Friday night. But I was frustrated. What was happening with those lives? We weren't plugging them in. I wasn't seeing fruit. There's something missing, God. And so I'd pray. I'd, I'd be lying awake at midnight or waking myself up, praying, it was getting that desperate, I couldn't sleep. To the point where I started to wake up speaking in tongues. 
Now, that is of the devil from where I was kind of thinking before, right? That was closed when the Bible got finished back then. No more can that happen. Well, I've learned otherwise since. Because when I was desperate for God to turn up, what did he turn up with? The one thing I was scared of the most, speaking in tongues. Now, I didn't even know it was tongues to start with. But all I knew is when I spoke in tongues, I felt a real peace from the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, doing that work just became so much less burdensome. Another story I want to talk about is um, the whole, you know, when people fall down to God's stuff. Come on. Now, my wife shared one of these last weekend and Kirk talked about it last Sunday. You know, she'd hold onto my arm and she did it for weeks. You know, she was like pulling me over. It was pretty funny. Um, I remember one evening, um, it was an impromptu service, and um, I'd never gone down under the Holy Spirit whatsoever at all. I'd never had an encounter like that. And um, I'm going to be honest, I didn't really want one because it looked messy. I've got to tell you, it was messy when it happened to me, probably because I was so stubborn with it. It happened from three meters away and I felt like I was lifted I don't know how far but I kind of got lifted in the air and chucked on the ground and spent the next hour laughing my bones off it was the most amazing time I've ever had with God and I remember it and I'm always going to remember that moment because I look stupid yep I had no control over it yep but, oh boy, oh boy, did I have a wonderful connection in here and in here with my Father God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I was prepared to take the risk and come out here. There's something about this front section out here, folks. If you've only ever gotten prayer back there, that's cool. But I'm telling you, the action, there's something about it up here. I don't know what it is. But I believe on the back of a number of things, Father wants us. His passion for us as a church, Vineyard Pine Rivers, is to get hungry for an intimate, messy relationship with him and his spirit. Now, whether that be you out here getting ministry or whether you're out here giving ministry, I want to encourage you to get in as a church. And hopefully that just spills out into the stuff we do in the everyday. You know, because we're doing it here, we're getting confident, we're practicing. This is our practice ground, folks. People get healed here, but then we spill out into the community. <sighs> you know, we sung a couple of amazing worship songs this morning. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. It's all about you. Woo! I think there's a call for us in that, yeah? I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made. That's me, folks, by the way. I'm in that. It's all about you. And then the other, the other one I really just... <sighs> Holy Spirit, come and breathe on us. Come and breathe on us. So to wrap all of this up, Wendy, could you come out and share something with us, please? Um, the other day, Wendy, a couple of Saturdays back, Wendy was just here. She was praying and um, as part of the prayer do, team do every Saturday. And um, she got a word that I just think is for us. I hope you'd agree. It is for us as a church. And I, 
Uh, yeah, just back off everything that we've, you know, I talk back, you know, Solomon talks about all of this stuff we do is so pointless at times, yeah? Yet we try to measure up to those things. We see things on Facebook and we think, oh, I need to do that. My life's just not good enough. I've got to, oh, I've got to take more photos. Whatever it is that you're looking at and comparing yourself to. I, I think this is a word that back comes in on it. A few weeks ago, I kept seeing a picture from the Lord of him breaking wooden rulers, the wooden rulers that we had at school, and he just kept breaking wooden rulers. So after a few days, I said, well, what are you doing? And he said, I'm breaking the measuring sticks. And um, he started to talk about measuring sticks in our lives. They're often unconscious, that we have measuring sticks towards God and who he is and what he thinks of us. We have measuring sticks over ourselves, often pretty ungracious ones and definitely not lined up with who God says we are, usually. We have measuring sticks over other people. We have measuring sticks over organisations, over the church. It just goes on and on. They're often subconscious. They're just sort of there in our lives. And so the Lord was saying he wants to break the measuring sticks. Then he took me to Ephesians 3 verse 20 in the, measure, in the message where it says, To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, so God's saying, please don't measure me, um, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So I felt like in asking the Lord what to pray on that next Saturday morning, I felt like he said, pray about this. We have a lot of fun on Saturday mornings, a lot of laughing, a lot of trying to hear God and a lot of fun praying about it. You're all welcome. <laughs> and David does that a bit. Um, anyway, as we start to pray about it and break the measuring sticks off us as a people... Um, I saw God replace him with kingdom laser light and there were these lasers that came in and spotlighted things and then we started to pray about, Father, we only want to do what we see you doing, which is what Jesus says, and put our hands to that and as we prayed about that, the Holy Spirit came into the group with quite a lot of power and there was a bit of Holy Spirit stuff going on but as we prayed about that, my hands felt burning, but they feel like I've got fireworks going off in the palm of my hands, and it's been like that for a week and a bit. But I feel like as, <laughs> as God releases us from these measuring sticks that we've absorbed from all sorts of places, and we put our hand to what he's doing, and we start to see him as immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine because he is um, all we're doing with our measuring stick is looking for less and seeing less of what he's doing but as we put our hands to that he is wanting I sense to bring a lot of power in this season hang about Wendy I think there's a, a place for prayer into that in a minute All right. Um, I think the Lord's this morning wants to do two things, but there's also some words of knowledge that I want to um, bring out. So um, I want to invite people, <laughs> come out the front, get messy. 
And that doesn't have to look messy, by the way. But take the risk in getting messy with God, being real and allowing that partnership with others in the church family and the wisdom and, and, and just everything that's in that and community to be a part of that. So I just, um, I think there's, there's two things in that. So the measuring stick, I want to I ask if, in a minute if people would come out for the measuring stick and we'll have some prayer over there for that. But I also think there's another group, another group over here that's about I just want to get rid of the waste, the, the things that I'm doing. I want to just say, Jesus, I want to, I want to stay close to you, keep up and follow. I want more of you in my everyday so that I've got less of the wasted rubbish going on in my life. All right. Simone, you reckon you could play the, the Holy Spirit one? Yeah, thanks. Um, all right, I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Father, I just want to thank you for your love for us as your church. Lord, we might be messy, but I'm pretty sure that's how you intended us to be, just real. Forgive us, Father God, for how astray we become. But Holy Spirit, would you come right now, set us afresh in your love, pour out your Spirit upon us even more. Renew us, transform us, Holy Spirit. Come breathe on us. We are desperate. We, no, we are passionate to do things with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your love for us. Come have your way with us, Holy Spirit. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen.